you know, that, that a father's supposed to be, and this is what I'm supposed to do. Well then, you know, that was all based, uh, a lot of it was fear-based for me, right? My, I, I was fearful. I, I felt insecure about parenting that way. Sometimes I felt like it was inadequate. And again, they're resilient. They're more resilient than we are sometimes. Those are big things that just started to, to change the landscape for us. Let's try to figure out what's going on here so that I can help you to build your toolbox. So that's my job, build your toolbox about how you can respond differently the next time. Hey there, I'm Alyssa Blass Campbell. I'm a mom with a master's degree in early childhood education and co-creator of the Collaborative Emotion Processing Method. I'm here to walk alongside you through the messy, vulnerable parts of being humans raising other humans with deep thoughts and actionable tips. Let's dive in together. Welcome to our new limited series, Respectful Parenting in Real Life. I get to hang out with some folks and dive into what this work looks like outside of scrolling through Instagram or that picture perfect snapshot of respectful parenting. What does it look like when you drop the ball, when it's messy, when we're imperfect humans, or when our kids don't respond perfectly as we planned? Buckle up for some real stories from real humans, and I hope that you get to see glimpses of yourself or your kids in these stories to know that you definitely are not alone in this journey. And there's a village of folks walking right alongside you. All right, let's dive in. Hello, everybody. Today, I get to hang out with someone that I love dearly and get to call a family member, which is a privilege. Erica, who works for Seed, is married to Hoel, who's joining me today. Hi, Hoel. Hi, Alyssa. How are you? I'm doing well. So you're the dad of three tiny humans. How old are those kids now? Seven, five, and three. That's bonkers. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, it can, it can get pretty wild at times. Yeah, and just bonkers to me that they're seven, five, and three. I, yeah. I actually, my first intro into the family when I started dating Zach uh, was your wedding. That's where I met everybody. That's right. And uh, so I've been along this little journey from the outside for a while, and it's been really rad to see y'all grow as a couple and as parents and as people. And I'm excited to hear kind of like the inside and what your journey has been like. Can you share a little bit about like your background and what life looked like for you growing up? Sure. So I grew up in Laredo, Texas, which is a border town um, about two hours south of San Antonio. And so for me, I grew up with my extended family. Uh, My mom, you know, her and my bio dad separated and, and then got divorced. And so she, I was born in Austin. She went back down to Laredo. So I was with, you know, grew up with my extended family, uh, grandparents, uncles, aunts, everybody kind of in the same complex, right? So houses were built right next to each other. And this was like Southern Laredo. And so anyway, 
my mom worked often and, and she um, was getting her career just starting off. And so I was raised a lot by my extended family, which was great. You know, grew up around cousins and always having family around and 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 that's a cultural thing too, right, Forrest? I mean, you know, um, that that's big in the Hispanic culture and, and it was great to have my extended family around. So grew up that way till I was about seven. And then that's when my mom met my stepfather at that time. And so um, at that point, then, you know, they moved in together and, and blended families. And so I had an older stepbrother. And then my mom and my stepdad had my half brother, who um, is what, 11 years younger than me. So that was about four years after they met. And um, so then just kind of we, we were living, you know, apart from everybody, but I then kind of just between middle school and high school kind of then grew up almost just with my immediate family. And we saw a little less and less of my extended family, but you know, that was just as a result, I think of life just kind of just takes you that way. Right. And, and so that was the way that I grew up up until I graduated high school and then moved up to San Antonio to go to school my extended family still lived in Laredo. My immediate family still lived in Laredo. My older stepbrother had moved to Houston. And so when I moved here to San Antonio, I still saw a little bit of my immediate family, but definitely less of my extended family. Like it was just kind of almost forgot what that looking sounded like to a certain extent. And so that's just kind of the way it was, right? Like life just kind of took over. So then lived in San Antonio. I mean, I've lived here since I was 18 and I graduated high school, like I said, and just, yeah, I mean, so that's now 19 years. So I just gave away my age there, but there you go. <laughs> um, but, you know, so yeah, just, that's just kind of been the, the journey for, for me. And it's so interesting because now that I'm now, you know, again, like you said, we've got our three kiddos and now I'm seeing more of my immediate family and even now starting to see my immediate family a little bit more because, it's it's all kind of coming back right like now our kids are growing up the same way that that we did and erica and i had to really be intentional about that because you know we both grew up around a lot of family and it, it's it's been difficult sometimes kind of being even though we're only two hours away and but obviously cross country for her family and like we have to be intentional about seeing our family because it's so important for our kids and we see the difference that it makes in their world so but yeah that's just kind of a really yeah. quick synopsis there. Yeah, the village at work, like sure. literally. <laughs> yeah. What, how has that been for you as you've navigated parenthood and looking at the ways that you were raised and what comes up for you then? And, and especially, I think, like being near family. I know for Zach and I, we were in Boston and we're doing like all this work on ourselves, yada, yada. And then we move back closer to family and all of a sudden, like triggers are coming up and things from our childhood that we're like, oh, yeah, we've been working on that. And all of a sudden, it's like in your face again. And then, it's same thing in parenthood, we're like, we have found ourselves in parenthood being like, oh, right. I'm opening my mouth and like my mom comes out or whatever. And like, sometimes it's like, cool. I want to repeat that part. And sometimes for me, it's like, yikes, don't want to repeat that part. And so I think it can be just like an added layer when you are parenting with that village right there and, and trying to do this work of sometimes rewriting patterns. What did it look like for you from your childhood experience in terms of how you were parented and the culture around that versus now and what you're looking at in parenthood. Um, that's, that's been the most vulnerable, most eye-opening 
part about all of this. And um, that's just happened recently, I think probably in the last four or five years. And I think, you know, growing up, it was, it, it was very much so we, you know, discipline was a big part and, and we were very much like, you know, structured in the way that we were raised. And it was very much like, you know, respecting your parents and you're, you know, as soon as you walk into a, a room, you've got to say hi to everybody. Um, you know, that's something that I remember that that was a very, very big part of the way that I grew up. And, and it was very much about, we, we didn't talk a lot about the way that we felt, or we didn't talk a lot about the, what, what we were experiencing, right? There, there wasn't a lot of that. If we did something wrong, well, we were punished for it. And there wasn't a lot of, there, there was rupture there, right? We were disciplined. And I remember, you know, my stepdad was, was pretty hard on me. And, you know, I think it was seen as like, well, I, I didn't know my bio dad growing up. And then all of a sudden, well, my stepdad, you know, now, and, and he, and he, he was loving towards me, right. It wasn't anything like that, but it was very much like, okay, well, you need a father figure in, in the picture. And well, then that role is just strictly to be, Hey, you know, very punitive at times and very much like, this is what you're supposed to do. And I'm going to hold you to it. And there's not, there, that relationship was just really centered around that. So then when we first had Jojo, I think all those things and all those insecurities for me that I had growing up and, and now like, okay, well, this is the way, you know, that, that a father's supposed to be, and this is what I'm supposed to do. Well then, you know, that was all based, a lot of it was fear-based for me, right? Like I was worried about either disappointing, you know, my stepdad or my mom, or I was worried about, you know, getting in trouble or I was worried about a lot, a lot of that stuff. And so I think when we had Jojo, our first one, it was like, well, that's the way that I parented. Right. And that's what I expected it. And if it didn't go that way, well, then I felt like, well, something's wrong or, you know, so that, and that was early on. And I, I can remember that stuff coming out for me, right. If we were out somewhere and he would start crying or if he was trying to go to sleep and then, you know, Erica would go get him up. I would feel like, well, we were doing him a disservice or we're, you know, quote unquote, spoiling him. Like all those things kind of came up. Right. And it was just, I, I didn't do a lot of work around trying to shift that mindset or trying to change that mindset and really trying to explore, like, again, what's going on with him and, and, and what are his needs. But um, and as he got older, I think what would start to happen is I, you know, and Eric and I, and I talked a lot about this is it was her trying to kind of change like, yeah, we were parented this way, but it doesn't mean that like, okay, well, we need to work around that and see exactly why we feel the way that we feel when X, Y, Z happens. So we started to do work around it, but I still had some of those biases that I had growing up and it was tough to change that. I mean, that takes a lot of work. And so I had to like, again, I'll give you a perfect example. You know, something would happen where Jojo would would do something wrong or or Ellie would do something wrong and they would throw something or they would get upset and they would slam the door or be, quote unquote, disrespectful. Right. So then I would try to go correct it. And it was legalistic in a way. Right. So I tried to go correct it. Erica was like, look, either just take a step back or wait or give them some space or talk to them about like, OK, talk to me about why you responded this way. Like, what are you feeling? What are you thinking? What's going on? Talk to me. I didn't, I, I didn't do a lot of that right away. So then what would start to happen is when Eric and I would try to talk about it, then we weren't in agreement at all times. So then it was like, okay, well, that's, that's a tough thing, right? So then we would internalize a lot of those feelings between Eric and I. So then what we would try to do is saying, okay, well, 
you know, the life would take over again. We just keep going. We just keep going. And it would happen again. And then I would feel like, okay, well, I'm going to respond to Jojo or Ellie or Lisi, whatever, right? Like the same way, but really what the way that I was responding to was not in that moment, trying to figure out what's going on with our kiddos, but really because I was feeling inadequate or insecure about the way that Eric and I were communicating about addressing the behavior or, or whatever, right? Like all of that. So and I, I hope that's making sense right there. But again, like you, you know, you can see the layers start to form pretty quick between what I experienced 10, 15 years ago when I was a kiddo or longer than that, right? 20, 25 years ago, or what I experienced last week between something that happened between Eric and I, right? So all of that started to just kind of happen. And as you know, and again, I mean, you you know Erica very well, and obviously she works, you know, for 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 you all. And, and just, I mean, it's it's a life's work, and what y'all do is amazing. And anyway, I bring that up to just say, like, she was patient with me, and she, I don't know, just showed me the power of that respectful parenting piece. And and it's not about it's not about perfection; it's about intention. And I started to just pick up on some of the things that that the way that she parented or we would we finally got to a point where we felt like okay we need to sit down and communicate about this and you know all those things were different to me because I wasn't parented that way I am loving ready to eat meals in this season of life things are really busy over here with a toddler and a newborn and I don't always want to be focusing on meal planning and ordering groceries Factors, fresh, never frozen meals are chef crafted and dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. There's zero prep and zero mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup involved. And holy moly, do I need that right now. I also love that I can order as much or as little as I need by choosing my meals every week and I can pause or reschedule my deliveries anytime. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast restaurant quality meals with no cooking required and there are more than 60 add-ons like pancakes and smoothies to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Head to factormeals.com slash village50 and use code village50 to get 50% off. That's code village50 at factormeals.com slash village50 to get 50% off. With spring on the horizon, but not quite here yet in Vermont, I've been looking for simple ways to give my body the energy boost it needs and keep up with healthy habits, especially on those tired mornings when I'm just feeling drained. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more, but it's a powerful healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel more energized and ready to take on the day. It's a morning ritual that gives me peace of mind and then I'm getting comprehensive nutrition that supports my immune system and keeps me going all day. As a parent of two amazing kids, longevity is on my mind more than ever before. I want to make sure I'm taking really good care of myself so that I can continue to show up for the moments that matter. Every day, AG1 helps me build long-term health with daily nutrients that support brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm setting myself up for the long run. AG1 is the supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm jazzed to welcome them as a new sponsor. 
If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and 5 free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com village. That's drinkag1.com village. Check it out. So I didn't... I didn't, I didn't have a toolbox. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know what, what to do. I, I didn't, my, I, I was fearful. I, I felt insecure about parenting that way. Sometimes I felt like it was inadequate. I felt that I was inadequate and I wasn't prepared. So then I tried to overcompensate and all that stuff came up. And I know I'm kind of just word vomiting here, but I'm just saying that to say like, well, now as I listened to her and we talked about it and I started to parent that way, or I started to not be legalistic in the way that I addressed it, like not think that my kiddos are doing something bad. Like that was a big thing for me, right? Like it was, my kids are not bad, right? They have a need, they have a need for connection, something's going on, they're hungry, they're tired, X, Y, Z, all of that. As I started to open up my mind to start thinking about that, I saw our communication change and I saw the trust that they had in me to actually be able to just address it or listen to them or not get upset or not, you know, again, not have that mindset of something's wrong. They're doing something bad. I need to address it. I need to go in there and again, be punitive about it, punish them for it, give them a consequence X, Y, Z. Like that was a game changer and it's, it's a work in progress. It always is. I'm not perfect by any means, but those are big things that just started to, to change the landscape for us. And one thing, something as simple, and, I, and I've tried this as much as I can, is something happens and, you know, I, again, I'll give you another example. Like um, one thing that used to be big was Ellie and Jojo, they're pretty close in age, they're only 21 months apart, and they would play on the trampoline together or play on the playscape together. Well, Ellie would start crying and I would assume that Jojo hurt her because that's what she would say. So that was a trigger for me, like, hey, you hurt your sister. And it would cause issues for me because I, I my re, my response, right? It, or my, I, let me rephrase that. My reaction, it wasn't a response. It was a reaction. I would, I would not be happy about that. And so I could see Jojo start to, if, if that would happen and he, he, whether he did it by accident or whether he did it because who knows, he would, he would be worried about my reaction. And I could see that. And one thing that I started to change was, I would close my eyes, I would take a breath, I would take a pause, probably last about two to three seconds. And I would go to Ellie and I would give her a hug and I would extend my other arm to bring Jojo in because I could tell that he was worried about hurting her. And again, like having that mindset of, he's not doing something bad, my kids are not bad, he's not trying to hurt his sister, right? And either it was a fleeting moment from one second to the next, she was fine, all of a sudden miracle and we're back to playing again and it's all good. Or we would talk about it and inevitably it was somebody did something to somebody else or somebody was upset about, ex, you know, not having a turn on this or not being able to, you know, they felt that they weren't listened to by the other sibling, whatever. We would get down to the bottom of that, talk about it and then all was good. But it wouldn't lead to me having a reaction of where I would became upset. And then all of a sudden, I think that would make it a lot more about my reaction as opposed to let's try to figure out what's going on here so that I can help you 
to build your toolbox. So that's my job, build your toolbox about how you can respond differently the next time. Right. And so anyway, yeah, that's my long-winded answer right there. Yeah, no, I love it. There's so much in there. That I Sorry, think yeah. Is cool. No, so much. That's like so many good nuggets in there. And one thing that I think is huge is that acknowledgement of like, yeah, I was raised this way. And so like, that is of course what I'm coming to the table with, right? Like right out the gates, we are like, yep, we repeat whatever we experienced, right? It's like telling kids to like, do what I say and not what I do. They're not going to, they're going to do what's modeled for them. And it's the same with us. We were kids and we're going to do what was modeled for us. And I think it's huge to acknowledge. And also it makes sense to me to have fear around I think, I think especially in raising boys, if you came from like that, the culture of like punitive and punishment and respect that like, we, we want you to show up a certain way in the fear. I think of like, if you don't, if you show up as quote soft or whatever, like what's that going to mean for you socially? What's that going to mean for you down the road? What if you're crying at school? Are people going to make fun of you? I think so much of it can come from a place of fear and wanting our kids to be able to thrive socially. And if what we knew was that there were narratives attached to emotional intelligence that were feminine, then raising boys, it can feel like, no, you're not supposed to be able to do this. And I think sometimes it can be easier to let like little girls cry or feel because it's viewed as a feminine thing in our culture versus letting a boy do that. And I was just wondering if like you noticed any of that for you and your parenting, like, was there a separation between, I know also just time in like getting to experience parenting with Jojo and then getting to Ellie down the road and and then Lisi, but did you have, or do you experience a difference in expectations from Jojo you think from a gender perspective versus the girls? I think initially I did. I think initially, you know, um, like you said, time played a part in it, right. Him being our first one. So that was, uh, you know, I, that that's just his, his experience. Right. And then we've gotten, uh, I think our perspective has changed as we've now, you know, getting into our third one. I, I, ideally, I'm hoping we're veterans. Right. But anyway, I think the, the gender part, I, 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 there were elements of that, but I think my one of my biggest growth pieces too on that was I always thought that when I heard respective parenting or I heard anything like that it meant permissive right it meant like you're gonna allow things to happen or you're not gonna hold a boundary or you're not gonna you know it, it just means that you're going to exactly right you're gonna be soft on it or you're you're gonna or your kiddo's not gonna learn manners or not learn respect and it quite a, quite the opposite you know I actually like it just and as soon as I I realized that I think it was like well and you know and and Eric and I would talk about it it's like well no we're not we're not saying that, you know, this is going to happen or that's going to happen, or you're going to have, you're going to be able to have popsicles before bed, or you're going to be able to have a bunch of snacks, you know, because, you know, even though we talked to you about dinner or whatever, it doesn't mean that at all, but, you know, we're, we're going to love you through it. And and there's not going to be anything else except, you know, giving you a hug. And I know you're upset about not having a snack. I hear that it would be great to have a snack. And that's about where it stays. It doesn't mean that you go get it right. Like, I think that, changed a lot for me with Jojo. I mean, being a boy, you know, I think 
there definitely was elements of that early on, but I think, and this might just be completely coincidental, but as there were elements about exactly right, not spoiling him, some of the toughness part of it, like, you know, not wanting to go cry to mom, not wanting to all of that. Right. Like, you know, I think coincidentally, then my parenting started to change right as Ellie was getting just to that age of being a toddler. And then obviously now with Lisi, it, 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 it's evolved and it's going to continue to evolve. But one thing I noticed that Jojo crying and he'll tell me now, you know, and again, I'm not perfect at it, you know, and Eric and I would talk a lot about it. Yeah. There's times where I'm like, bud, why are you crying about that? Why is that making mm-hmm. you cry? Like, you know, and, and that'll come out. Right. Yeah. And he'll tell me now because we've told him enough about that respectful piece. Like, look, bud, if you're going to, if you're going to cry about it, if you're going to be frustrated and stomp your feet, if you're going to be frustrated and just kind of walk away, need space, if crying's for you, whatever it is, however you need to express that, express it. So he'll tell me now, no, I'm allowed to cry about it. If I need to cry about it, I need a good little cry and I'm going to cry about it. And then I'm going to move on and, and I'm going to be okay with it. And once I saw that, and the fear part about, well, a boy crying somewhere, or if he's going to be out at school crying because this happened, or he's going to be out at basketball practice and, and crying because this happened. Once that left and I wasn't feeling that way, or those, that fear wasn't there for me, it was, it, it, I just saw it in a, I just saw him in a completely different light as far as like, yeah, it's okay for you to cry, but absolutely. But he actually, you know, and, and obviously, you know, if, if, if we're somewhere and, and I see something happen and I see, you know, some things come out like from, from other kiddos and stuff. And I just kind of notice the way that he responds in certain situations, he's pretty resilient, you know, and that toughness piece is there, but that toughness piece is there from him. I mean, he's one of the most empathetic kiddos I know. Um, and, you know, and, and again, you know, you know, I, I, I was in education for 11 years, right? Like, so, you know, I, I obviously just, I take that as context, but I mean, he, the way he responds in some of those situations, he actually doesn't, you know, cry. And he's able to kind of like figure out and navigate those emotions pretty quickly and effectively and, and navigate through these situations that, if I didn't change my mindset, I probably would have wanted him to not show any of that emotion, thinking, fearful that in these situations that I think are going to come up, well, all he's going to do is just cry and, and, and not have any control over it. Quite the opposite, because we let him kind of express it this way and work with him on some of those things. He's actually able to navigate it sometimes a lot better than than some of his peers or, um, you know, just situations that I notice, Right. Like and that's. I don't know. It's, it's profound. Right. And just seeing that at work and seeing the value in that and, and the way that he is. And I think it, it trickles down a little bit to, to the girls and seeing him like, and as a big brother and navigating some of those things, he's able to kind of coach them up a little bit sometimes. And it's a beautiful thing to see, you know, it's, it's it really, really is. And uh, again, another example, you know, I, gosh, I think this was last week. You know, Eric and I are home. It's it's late night, and so Lisi's chasing around, and we're asking him like to just have a seat and just hang out for just a second. We were working on something else. I can't remember what it was, and so of course we're distracted. We're probably frustrated about what it is that we're trying to work on, and we can't finish it. So then it's like you know it's noisy and it's almost bedtime. And yeah, I, I think every parent that's listening to this knows knows that uh, landscape pretty well. So. 
it's like asking him to have a seat. His little sister is chasing him around and he doesn't have a seat and he's kind of running around, but starting to walk a little bit more, maybe trying to see if his little sister will stop trying to play and chase. And all of a sudden, well, she falls as she's trying to chase him and she slips and hits her head and she starts wailing. So then Eric and I do not respond well as the way we should. And we're mad at him for saying, well, why don't you listen when we told you to go sit down? Now look at what happened. And so we go through that whole process. It's not, you know, he starts crying. He's not happy that, that we're not happy with him. And so we get some space and then we, that's the rupture piece. And then we go repair and we're like, Hey, bud, that, that was not your fault that she fell. It's, it's not about you sitting down. You know, we're, we're sorry. We got upset. Like we get it. You're trying to either play or she keeps chasing you. So you're like not trying to figure out how to respond it's almost bedtime. She doesn't have the best balance right now. You didn't really need to necessarily sit down. It was just us trying to concentrate on something else. And that's not on you. Um, so we're sorry about that. And he said, it's all right. I love you no matter what. And well, that, that right there, right? Like, and I've heard the girls say that too. And that comes back to like, you know, again, something that, that I would have never said probably four or five years ago was it's okay. You're not in trouble. I'm not mad at you. Mm-hmm. Right. Like something like that has changed the way I've addressed any any sometimes those situations when sometimes as a parent, you can you you pretty much think like, no, you might get in trouble and I might be mad at you. Like I'm <laughs> And not I am mad at you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, but I'm, I'm, I'm a salesperson right now. I'm going to try to sell that. I'm trying to sell it to myself as much as I'm trying to sell it to my kids. And don't get me wrong. There's been times when it's like, no, like there is a, a consequence and I am mad and I got to figure out how I'm going to navigate this. But um. Yeah, like that's those are just kind of some game changers, but definitely the gender thing like that. Just seeing Jojo respond in some of those situations as a boy. And then I think the girls like. It just I don't know, I, I think, like I said, coincidentally, I think by the time that. Ellie was getting into that toddler phase and and she, so, you know, that that opened up a that whole world for her and and what that meant for the relationship that her and I had and then you know that that she had with Erica like I think it was just coincidental to where there really wasn't a way that we addressed Ellie or Jojo or Lisi it was just we're trying to be appropriate in identifying not necessarily boy or girl but we know the kind of kiddo that Jojo is and we know how he, how he best responds in situations. And that's not necessarily the best way that Lisi responds or Ellie responds. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, 
you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. But one thing that was tough for Eric and I was definitely JoJo being our first and me, again, like both her and I coming into with all these biases that we had, right, and experiences that we had in the way that we were parented. Well, early on, it was either Erica over trying to compensate because I would address JoJo a certain way or me trying to overcompensate in, in this way. So like we had to kind of work through that in the way that, hey, are we addressing our kiddos because of the insecurities that you and I have with each other becoming parents and trying to navigate all of this? Or is it specifically to what is going on with our kiddos, right? Like all of that came into play. And there's a lot to to unpack there. And we had to work on it. We had to unpack it. And I think that's one of the toughest things because there, there, there is, there is a level of saying like, you've got to be committed to this, right? Like making the decision, being committed to it, and then seeing the success on the other side of it. And that's, that's, that's big time. That's big time. Um, But once we were there and we're in that headspace, it, it was, it was completely different. It was completely different. And we saw it in our kiddos and it was, you saw like, and again, they're resilient. They're more resilient than we are sometimes. And that, you know, all of that, I guess it's just, yeah, it, it opened up my eyes completely. What was the turning point for you that led you to be like, ah, I want to take a look at what I'm bringing from childhood and maybe do some things differently. Like, was there a moment, was there a thing or kind of what came up for you that you were like, I'm ready to dive into this other thing that, and and understand it. I just, I think there, there was definitely moments where I realized that if I didn't approach this differently, the impact that it's having on my relationship with Erica and my relationship with my kiddos and how I just approached everything. I mean, professionally too, I, if I didn't make a change in, in just my mindset and understanding exactly what's going on here and why is it that I respond this way and it's not just a natural thing and it's not just something that I can, I can just continue to do I I think it was just, I, I don't know if it was one day to the next or just how it was, but I just realized that I I needed to make a change because I could see the impact that it was having on my kiddos. And I could see that it was, I, I needed to change my behavior. I needed to change my responses. I needed to, I needed to change. I, I needed to add something that was going to be beneficial to me and my kiddos and and, and my wife. And I don't know. It just, I I don't know if that explains it so much. Right. But I I like, I just, I realized that it was my behavior 
and 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 the way that I addressed it. And um, again, I think Erica is definitely my better half, probably better three quarters at most times. But you know, she told me she's you know we talked about it. And I remember this conversation like, and you know how it is. I mean, as parents and as you know partners and stuff, it's just like you remember these deep conversations and profound conversations that change the landscape. You know, we, again, we were talking about it and, and all of this. And she said, you know, think about what, what, what I did at work and what I'm doing for kiddos and the emotional intelligence that I have for the adults and the children in the community that, that I work for and the conversations that I have with them about all of that, like not respond, not reacting, responding. Um, how I have conversations with like, look, I want, you know, you're, you're, you're feeling a certain way because this is what's coming out for you. Um, it's not that you're angry is that you're hurt is that you're sad. It's that you're insecure. It's that you're feeling left out. It's that it, you're not angry about it. That's how it's going to come out, but that's secondary, right? I was able to do all of that for work. What, when, you know, when I was a coach the same way, right? Like that would wait, that would be the way we would talk to our athletes. That would be all of that stuff. And it changed the relationships that I had with all of the kiddos that I interacted with, the families that I interacted with, the, the, the teachers at work and all of that. But yet that wasn't the capacity sometimes that I, or a lot of times that I wouldn't have at home it's so much harder to do for ourselves. Sure. And so, you know, I, you know, and, and so, and Eric and I, I think talking about that just said, look, I, I can do both. And, and, and I love what I do professionally because of the impact that it has on those relationships. And that's what it's all about. Well, I want the same for my family. Mm-hmm. I want the same thing at home. And I think that just changed it for me that, that, that I didn't, I did, I, you know, everything that, that, that I learned and it, it's not to say that it was all just scrapped away. Right. But there's all those experiences that I had, I could channel that into now going, you know, working on this and, and, and make that impact on my kiddos and, and parent this way and have that interaction with them. And, and once I let go of the perfection piece, right. Just kind of what we talked about at the beginning once I let go of that, the piece that that brought was just like, okay, I, I don't need to be perfect at this. I, I don't, I don't need my, my, my kiddo can, can have a meltdown and it's perfectly fine. Um, we can be somewhere and, and my kiddo not respond appropriately or be upset about something that we didn't go back and get the water bottle. And we're at, you know, somewhere and, and, and they're upset about it. Like, it's okay. Like it doesn't need to be, doesn't mean that I'm a bad parent. Doesn't mean that my kiddo's bad. All of that. Once I let go of all that, it just, I think it all, it all started to come together. And, and, uh, and again, I mean, this is, it's a journey. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint for sure, but man, it feels nice to be in this spot now and, and approaching it this way. And it's so much nicer to be able to soak in these moments where, cause I'm not so focused on all the other stuff. Yeah. Oh, it's so much nicer. I mean, you're parenting from a place of connection now, and that feels better for all of us. Yeah. What, just as the final question for you, when you are consuming information about this or just in the world of parenting and and in respectful parenting, 
what message do you feel like is lacking in that world that maybe you needed before or maybe that you still need now? I guess what part of the real yeah. life experience sure. isn't represented in the I think shots? I, I I think it might be the the longevity behind this kind of approach in the fact that when our kiddos our kiddos are gonna be 25, 35, 45, a lot longer than they're gonna be eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, right? Doesn't mean, never, never, never means that, hey, like their kiddos are going to have those experiences. They need these experiences, right? And go ahead and be a kiddo. You don't need to be an adult yet. But these skills that they're learning now and that emotional intelligence piece and being good with people and being good people and that connection piece and understanding people's responses and, and being kind with all that, I think understanding the longevity behind that and that a lot of times when they get out into quote unquote the real world and they and they you know go out and, and start doing what it is that they're going to be doing and and having that career and having those relationships when they get older because it's all about interpersonal relationships no matter where you go that these skills and then this emotional intelligence part of it is exactly what is always going to that's what is going to be there with them right like until 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 I you know whatever they they're they're sold right like it just those are the skills I think that they need and is going to help them be successful and that is how success can be measured but you know it's hard sometimes because I think there's a lot of pressure there there's a lot of pressure to to be a certain way or, or not be vulnerable or not be soft. And, but some of the toughest people I know are some of the most kind people that I know. And that, I, I think sometimes that's lacking. I think sometimes there, there needs to be more, more comfort around that. I think there needs to be more um, just a willingness to to say that's what's effective, being able to be good with people and good people. And, you know, the, the skill set and the technical part of whatever it is that you want to do for, for, you know, that you're going to enjoy and be passionate about all of that, you know, that'll come. But the, that part of the, the, the brain development piece is so crucial. And it, it, you know, people are not going to remember exactly like what you taught them, but they're going to remember how you made them feel. Right. And that's, all of that I, I think is is sometimes can can get lost in a lot of this um, but yeah yeah oh I think that that's so true and I agree we're not raising we're, we're raising future adults and <laughs> I don't need them to act like an adult tomorrow but I think recognizing that yeah these skills are they're a part of living what I would consider a successful life where we feel connected to each other we can regulate we can communicate <laughs> And that for me, like, you know, I, when I started doing Tiny Humans Big Emotions as a live workshop, I started off and I used to ask folks, like, what do you want for your kids when they are grown? Like, what do you want for them? And over and over and over, number one was always happiness. Like, I want them to be happy. And I was like, man, I got some bad news. <laughs> like, yeah, the key... Sure they're never going to live with just happiness, right? Like they're going to experience a whole range of emotions and 
the key to, I think, living the happiest, most content or calm life is knowing what to do with all the other crap, like knowing what to do with the hard stuff. And I, yeah, I think that that's, it's so much bigger than the eight-year-old in front of you. For me, it's like, what skill sets do I want them to have as adults in relationship with others at work, whatever it is, but yeah, no, thank you. I agree. Thank you for hanging out and getting vulnerable. Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate it. Great. Absolutely. It's a true joy and privilege to get to be in your village. It is. It is. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for being part of it. We, we love you very, very much. And you're awesome. Y'all are amazing. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the transcript at voicesofyourvillage.com. Did you know that we have a special community over on Instagram hanging out every day with more free content? Come join us at seed.and.so, S-E-W. Take a screenshot of you tuning in, share it on the gram, and tag seed.and.so to let me know your key takeaway. If you're digging this podcast, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We love collaborating with you to raise emotionally intelligent humans. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.